of God on earth. In other words, everything that's written in heaven by our prayers, we begin to write it on earth. Something shifts. It shifts. Why? Because we want to see souls saved. So I've been asked to do the prophetic and evangelism. I think this is maybe some of the most exciting Different um, houses use different titles. Treasure hunting has sort of come out of Bethel House and that language of finding treasure and using the prophetic word. I, I remember before we had fancy titles for it when we were pastoring down in Watford and I had a young girl called Liz who came from Australia actually. She was with me and we would just go out two by two onto the street and we were walking past this water fountain, and there was this guy standing there, and he looked a bit challenging, menacing. And she said, oh, that bloke's name is Simeon. So I said, oh, do you know him? She'd only been saved three weeks. She said, no. I said, well, why do you know he's Simeon? She said, I don't know. God just told me. I said, really? And she said, yeah. I said, well, why don't you go and say to him that God's just told you his name? She said, why do I have to do that? He knows his name already. <laughs> It was, you know, one of those classics of this thing. But anyway, we did. We went up, and I just said to this guy, I said, we've just been praying that God would show us people to bless. And Liz, my friend here, just felt God say to her, your name is Simeon. And he goes, what the, mm, are you on? And, and anyway, the conversation advanced, and we had a great talk. We talked to him about that his name was in the Bible and what it represented, and he seemed intrigued. And then he looked at us and he said, well, if you guys are so clever, tell me my brother's name. <laughs> so Liz immediately goes, Christian. And I'm thinking, seriously, looking at this bloke, why in the world would any parents call their brother a Christian? And he said, beep, 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 you're dead right. Well, to cut a long story short, they were so curious that Simeon and Christian came to our church and it happened to be baptisms that Sunday evening. They both ended up giving their lives to the Lord, both got baptized. Simeon's now married to a great young girl in our church, and we've seen the whole family come through. But it started, I don't know, 20 years ago. But God knows our, our names. I was chatting, I think it was to Tim, and I was saying, so often, you see, we think our thoughts are random, but they're not random. And it goes back to what I was saying in last session. Faith comes by hearing the message. And you see, once your faith connects to the message you hear, you realize the random thought was a God thought that has power and life to make a difference. And I think most of us have many more God thoughts than we realize. But you see, our faith can't hear the message. Faith comes by hearing the message, which is a message from God, partly because of callous hearts, which mean we can't hear. We've covered that. So evangelism. I really believe that as you touch the heart of God, he will touch your heart for the community. God loves people. How many agree with me? 
God loves people. People are God's most precious commodity. So the more like God you become, the more people have to become high priority to you. And we need to realize that prayer is about aligning spiritual and natural alignments to make almost like a portal, a shower place for heaven to come. And suddenly something breaks out. So you need to prepare for action. Once you begin to pray, we need to be ready, as I said, to be the answer to our prayers. How many of you have found you pray and then God gives you the opportunity to answer your prayer? You could most probably tell from the last session because of my little ranting, I have such a passion, compassion and heart for the government. There's something in me that says, come on God, something seriously needs to shift. so that Because I believe in government, but I don't believe in all our expressions of government that we're seeing at the moment. And we need radical shifts, but it's no good dissing the government because God said we should pray for them, honor them, lift them up, etc. So the church needs to majorly shift to bring an alignment so we can execute the written judgment of God and see good government. And so you see, as you begin to get, God begins to shift you and bring the alignments. We need to be an answer. So how do we prepare for action? That prophetic leading us to people. Number one, we need to talk to God about the community. Say this with me this afternoon. First, talk to God about your neighbor. And then talk to your neighbor about God. You see, loads of people pray and pray and pray for their neighbor, but they never talk to them about God. Loads of people keep talking to God talking to their people about God, but never pray for them. And we're sort of sectioned in the church. Oh, these are the evangelists, they do the talking. And these are the prayer people, they just do the praying. But actually, I think we need to start connecting. Talk to God about, you know, begin talking about that friend, that work colleague. It doesn't have to be literal neighbor. That person in your world who you know God is drawing near to you. Begin talking to God about it. God, what's the keys? God, we want to break every stronghold. What I was doing last, that prophetic thing. God, we, we speak deliverance. We speak healing. Begin to identify some people and pray. And then once you've soaked them in a bit of prayer, then go and talk because the word brings life. And I believe we'll see many people saved. I believe it's like a, a radio tuning station, the prophetic. What do I mean by that? Well, this room is filled with radio waves and sound. But it's only because we've got a receiver that you can hear the sound of this radio mic. And it's tuned into the right wavelength. Apparently, the reason the mic was messing up was that we were on the wrong wavelength. So we couldn't hear very clearly. And actually, it was in my notes. And thank you for illustrating it for us. <laughs> but you see, you can get in a car and you can be so unaware. We walk through life and we're unaware that God has filled our world with his words, sound waves. But we've got to be ready receivers. Are you ready to download? What is God saying here? What is he wanting to speak here? If you tune yourself intentionally, I believe we will hear. Helen 
and I have worked together for seven, I don't know, seven, ten years. And Helen's a good provocator, but can also be an irritator. And there was one morning, in the nicest possible way, there was one morning when I'd been teaching on prophetic um, evangelism in Bergen in Norway, and we came down to breakfast, and Helen said, I'd love to see you do this. Can you do it now, breakfast? I'm thinking, seriously, leave me alone. I'm tired. I want my breakfast, and I've got to go preach. And she, but she irritated me in a good way. And I suddenly realized, yeah, I was so in my room. Well, this is, I just want my food. I want to do this, etc. And so she said, well, shall we pray? So we prayed. And instantly, Holy Spirit showed me a blonde lady sitting in a booth on that side. I'd completely forgotten I was in Norway, language barrier. But, um, and so I just walked over, and as I got there, I suddenly thought, she might not speak English. And so I said, excuse me, do you speak English? She said, well, yes, I do. I'm American. I thought, well, that's interesting. So I said, I don't know what you feel about this, but I believe that God has given me a message for you. She just, well, with tears, she said, well, I used to be religious and go to church, but I'm not really religious anymore. I said, that most probably will help you. It's okay. Can I just chat to you? <laughs> so I sat down. And I just, I just ex- described that I believed that she was there for an appointment. It was a, bit of a difficult time. But God was going to give her grace, really, to help her through the day. I can't remember all the language. is a bit detailed. And she just began to sob. As she was sobbing, this big, tall, sort of Norwegian young guy standing, sort of, what are you doing to your mother, look? Because I'd said to her, you're waiting for something that's an important appointment. And so she then says to him, this woman's just gave me a message from God. Long story short, she and her husband had been divorced. They were very concerned about their son. She had flown over to make an appointment to meet with him. And I basically told her, don't worry. This is an appointment. God's going to give you grace. It's going to come out okay. She sat there and sobbed. This guy said, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. It's for people who are a bit soft in the head. So I said, that's fine. But I said, I have a message from God for you too, if you want it. (laughs) And he sat down. And I, I didn't really know Bergen so well then. And I said, you're an incredible musician. You're a composer. But you are unable to finish and complete. And God wants to break the panic and the fear that so begin to grip you. I knew nothing about him or anything. And break the panic and fear that's begun to grip you so you can never complete anything you begin. And God says that he has a way to begin to do this. All came out that that's why the mother had come because the father got so desperate because the son had got psychologically panicked. He was in the, what was it, Peter Gregg, the Greek music conservatory for composing and had won this amazing scholarship into Bergen and he had just been propositioned by various TVs to write music music for all their programs and every time he came towards the end he just went into meltdown and couldn't finish it and was on psychological problems so the mother had come to help him. Isn't Jesus amazing? I wish I could look to you and say I then prayed for them and they both came to God. They didn't. But I knew the mother. She said to me, I know about church. I used to go, etc., etc." I prayed with them both. And I somehow knew 
that I wasn't the A to Z of the story. I was an A to M. Do you get what I mean? I think sometime with prophetic evangelism, we haven't got to push it the whole way. God wanted me to take them one step and maybe someone else would invite them to church and they would get. And sometimes we can over push it and almost brutalize people. So I've maybe you disagree with that and I wrestle with that. This is being rawly honest and thinking, God, shouldn't I be able to? But I've come to a place of peace that I can only do what Holy Spirit's doing. I can't do more. And it's the Spirit of God who leads them to repentance. But we can show them there is a God in the land and there's fresh bread here. So how do we develop that? We often ask, well, I believe we need to talk to God all the time. Just have an awareness that God's in your life. Talk to God. Say, God, like Helen provoked me. I hadn't even thought about that because I was in, I've got up, I want breakfast, I want my world. Helen says, hello, have you asked Holy Spirit if there's someone you should talk to? No. Do you think that's a good idea? No. I mean, yes. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? So, BB, have much more when you walk into Costa Coffee. This is my time. Oh, no, is it? Can can I share it? You know, who's here? Who do I need to talk to? Begin to develop a culture that God can use me to speak any place. Do you have to tell them their whole life story? No. Some of the most significant times are when I walked up to someone and I say, I remember on a train, this girl sat next to me. She was, I mean, you didn't have to be prophetic to know the poor girl was going through hell. She's just saying, right, you know. I said, sweetie, what's the matter? So I could see so much fear and anxiety. She said, well, how do you know? I thought, well, that wasn't prophetic. That's just people orientated. I said, what is it? She said, a huge court case today. I'm going to get divorced. But also my, um, my wedding, my marriage partner is also my business partner. I'm going to lose the whole of my business. I'm losing everything. I'm going to financially ruin. I don't know what to do, how to sort it out. It's all a mess. And my lawyers can't sort it in. She was just beside herself. And I just looked at her and I said, God wants to give you hope. It's a message from God for you. And she said, can you give me a message from God? And at that moment, I remembered I'd picked up the message Bible because I was on my way to Bible school to do a training and I picked it up because I wanted it. I said, here we are, here's a message from God. Gave her the message. And she just walked away. But what I'm trying to say is all over... You don't have to do the full thing. I literally, all I, I could see she was anxious. Well, here's a Bible. There's a message. Ask God to begin to show you. Just talk to God all the time. Have an awareness. Secondly, talk to God at special times. What do I mean? Have focus intercession. Begin to actually carve a bit of time out and say, now God, teach me to pray for people. God, who should I be praying for? Is there anyone on your list? So keep an awareness of every day, but I do believe you also need special times. It's like any good relationship. I've been married for 34 years. Gordon and I do a lot of day-to-day chatter. If I didn't, poor Gordon would wake up many times and think, where's she gone now? Did she leave me? No. I'm in Rotherham tonight, sweetie. I'm not coming home. I'll be home after Sunday lunch. And I'll be there. There's lots of everyday normal talking. I mean, with God, everyday normal talking. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. God be in my world. But there are certain times, like last night, 
because I know I'm going to be away. We cancelled it all out. Cell phones, mobile phones were all left at home. We're going out. So from 12 o'clock yesterday, that was table for two time. And you see, lots of Christians say, well, I don't need special thing because I have God all the time. Can I say, yes, I know that in my marriage in any way. I, I talk to Gordon all the time. We're on the phone, we'll text, etc. There is one level of communication that which is fine. It's, it is talking, but it's not the next level, which is shut all the doors, turn the phones off. Okay, this is in you in my eyes, I in your eyes type. How many of you know that's different talking? So should you just go into a prayer room, shut the door, pray for an hour? Or should you pray every day? Both. Develop a rhythm of both. Does it have to be every day for one hour? Otherwise the angels fall off the car and everything goes wrong. No, not, do you, it's not about that. Because some people get really superstitious about it. I don't believe it's a superstition thing. I believe it's a heart thing. Do Gordon and I have a date every night? No, but we do try and put them in. We went to see Testament of Youth. He's an army man. <laughs> but there's something you did, something you communicated, something you talk. So, prophetic intercession, develop that awareness that God speaks to me and create that culture. Number two, wet people burn. Wet people burn. What do I mean by that? Well, the kingdom of God is upside down. Dry people burn up. Wet people burn with his presence. If I take you to 1 Kings chapter 18, remember all the dry prophets of Baal built their altars. Fire, fire, fire. Nothing came down. Nothing happened. But... Elijah builds an altar. What does he do first? Makes it wet. Elijah knew if you want to carry fire, you have to be wet first. Because the kingdom of God is upside down. In the kingdom of God, it's wet people that really carry the true authentic fire of God. Remember what John the Baptist says, I come with the waters of repentance, but the one who comes after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What is the picture of the Holy Spirit again and again is water and with fire. Water and fire go together in the Bible. In other words, don't become dry. Once we become dry, we don't carry the fire and the passion for people. How many of you notice that? It's when we're wet with the presence of God. It's when we're being in the presence of God. It's when we can feel the heart of God. And then John chapter 4, you know, Jesus stood up and said, are any of you thirsty? Are you hungry for a bit more? You see, it's wet people who are still hungry and thirsty, looking for more. Satisfied people aren't necessarily the spiritual people. People have got it all together. Do you get what I'm saying? It's wet people. I'm thirsty. Thirsty, thirsty. If you're thirsty, come. I'll make you wet. And then out of you will throw rivers of living water. So it's so important. I believe that's why these sort of days, that's why I keep making you pray for each other, talk to each other. 
make each other wet, stir the water, stimulate each other. Most probably a lot of what I'm saying is not new, but what I am doing is activating stuff that's resonant. I'm stirring that water. You're feeling the water level coming up. You're feeling wet. You're thinking, yes, I want to do this. I feel encouraged. I feel inspired. It's like, yay. You see, it's the wet people that carry fire. So we're going to carry prophetic action. Number one, we need to talk to God about our community. Number two, we need to be wet and burned. Number three, recognize and work with the Holy Spirit. I've said that in some way. Recognize and work with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, It's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by Holy Spirit. And often, a lot of our missions campaigning to try and get people saved, you can bully them, you can debate with them, you can do everything with them. But actually, in the end, it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit that brings people through their knees. You can have the slickest campaign, but that doesn't actually bring them to Jesus. It's Holy Spirit. The other scripture, a little bit further on in Zechariah here, is do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I often feel that when you're on a journey bringing people to God, it starts with a seed. The word of God is like a seed. You see, we never give people a tree, we give people a seed. And so often, because it's small, we nearly miss it. But God gives us little things, and we think, well, what was that about? How many of you ever thought that? And people come back to you and say, you know when you said that, this, this, this happened. Because you see, you gave a seed, but they grew a plant, and it became life to them. So don't despise the little words. I was in Winnipeg, Canada, and I was preaching, and it was quite a big um, auditorium, and it's right on the right-hand side here as I gave the call. I just saw this girl, and I kept being aware of her. And in the end, I went down to her, and I found her name was Grace. And I said to her, well, your name's well. You need grace. And she just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could see she was very distressed. And I just picked up her face, and I looked at her, and I said, do you know God really loves you. And I've been preaching on the prophetic all that day and actually upgrading your prophetic fluency, how to use language, how to really begin to prophesy over people. And so, and one of the things I'd said, preachers, um, was don't just say Jesus really loves you. Anyone could do that. Be more specific, say the area. So here I am, walking down his grace, and I could feel God laughing, so this will teach you. And um, <laughs> when you think you got it, and it's, I could just feel Holy Spirit laughing as I took grace. I said, you know, God really loves you. I'm waiting for more prophetic, nothing. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I walked, it had lots of tears, steps, so I was walking back up, and as I just about got to the top, it was like, go back and do it again. So I'm thinking, okay, so I come down to where grace is. And I said, I don't know why this is important, but I really feel I need to tell you, God really loves you. At which point she looked a little bit like bracing herself for the storm. Here we go. And nothing. And so she was a bit curious. And I went back up all the steps up and thing. And just as I got there, God said again, just go. I used to do it one more time. I said, all the way down thing. I thought, well, maybe now. I don't know why I'm finding it so difficult to prophesy. What is it, God? Give me a word. 
And I said, I'm here again. God really wants you to know. Blank, that was it. He said he loves you. Anyway, I finished the meeting. It was two and a half hours later about, I was going out to the car park to get the car. And this girl runs out. She said, I have to talk to you. I said, go ahead. She said, four years ago, I made a big mess of my life. Eight months ago, I had an abortion. And since that time, I've hated myself and hated so much. But when I saw your name up on the big board, I thought, I remember that person. I understood her when she came. Maybe I can go in because I haven't been in church since that four years ago. So she said, I came in the back and I swore to myself I wasn't going to do anything. But once you preach, I knew I had to come and give my life back to God. And then she said, and then I said, well, God, I need to know, do you still love me? So I walked out and said, God loves you. Then I walk away and she said, yeah, but God, she didn't say anything about the abortion and all that stuff. And she's a prophet and she prophesied that and maybe she'll say more of that. Is it really forgotten? What do you want to say about all that in my life? What do I need to do? Let her speak to me again. So when I came down the second time, she's like, she's not going to really prophesy all that stuff. And I looked at her and all I said is, Grace, I don't know why this is important, but you really need to know God really loves you. So that's why she was a bit like, then I walked away back up the steps. And so she said, so I just sat there and said, God, is that really all you've got to say about it? If it's true, that's all you want to say to me. Please let her do it one more time. (laughs) Why am I saying that? Well, we need to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. And you see, it comes in seed form. Do not despise the day of small things. So often in your workplace, so how many of you have said something similar to that to someone? And you thought, oh, it wasn't that great. We have no idea. I am so grateful that dear Grace sat there in that freezing cold, because it was freezing cold little entrance, Winnipeg, Winterpeg, minus whatever, waiting to tell me that. Because I tell you, it shifted my whole perspective of what I say. I hope it will shift yours. But those don't despise, recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to work through you. Number four. Recognize the moment and touch your community. The word of God is near you, Romans 10 says. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Realize that God wants you to carry a word. That word of life is near you. It's in your word and in your mouth. Matthew 10, 7. As you go, carry a message. If you've heard me preach before, you've heard me say this. I believe God loves taking our mess and making it our message. And we all carry a message of the good and bad and ugly, of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come and talk to people, we don't talk as great great giraffe up here. We actually talk amongst the people and communicate. So how do we touch this community? A few bullet points. Learn to watch people. Learn to watch people. Be a people watcher. Go into the cafes, watch. It doesn't mean you always have to talk to them. Who looks angry? Who looks tired? Who looks... You know, you can pick up things and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what is that? What do you want to say? Learn to watch people. Number two, learn to... Oh, B. Learn to recognize your opportunity. Sometimes you have to make it 
that's very much harder. I know like with Helen when we were in Bergen, when she sort of challenged me and I just literally had to do it. I hate doing that. It was sort of, but there are other times when you just need to learn. My ministry is called Heart Cry for Change. I've just learned. It might sound a bit cheesy, but it works. Go into the bank, taking my bank check, paying it in. Bank teller looks at me and says, what's heart cry? I just looked and said, well, sweetie, what's yours? Boom, she's in floods of tears. Because I've learned that's one of my attitudes. Every time they ask me, what is heart cry? I always say, well, what's yours? It, again and again and again. It's like a Holy Spirit. And how, how many know what I'm talking about? God will give you language which will help you make an opportunity. Listen to people's hearts, not just their words. People could be looking at you and say, get out of here. But you know, inside they're like, I'm really crying out. And I've learned not to get too intimidated by their mouth, but listen to their heart. And said, look, I know you want to just swear anything, but inside you I can see. I remember a young girl who was kicking the hell out of everything. I mean, it was just off the wall. Oh, I hate men. Oh, she just got absolutely ballistic. And in the end, I grabbed this. She's about 40, 50 years old. Grabbed this little girl and said, come, sweetie, look me in the eyes. Why do you hate men so much? And cover your life with such anger when, when inside you're so broken. She said, leave me. I said, sweetie, come on, cut it out. Talk to me. And she broke, and I, about two, three hours with her, again, in a long journey, saw her come to Jesus, then her brother come to Jesus, then her mum come to Jesus, and her stepdaughter come to Jesus, and they're all in the house now. But sometimes you just say, oh, stop it. Let's talk real. Can you recognize what their heart is saying, not just their mouth? Listen upward, then talk outward. Use very easy, accessible, friendly language. You know, even talking to people about their sin, I usually these days talk about poor choices. Because many people don't really understand what you mean about sin. I said, you've made a poor choice. You know, what God would have wanted you to do is this, but you've chosen a different way. That was a poor choice. <laughs> you know, it's giving them language. Once they're in church, they can learn it. But even in church, like intercession, it, it, there's a classic, and I'm nearly done. We had a girl come into church, raw back of the thing, and she kept hearing all the announcements. We don't put them up in words, so she hadn't seen it written particularly, and they were as... Um, and so she said, I really want to go to this intersection on Friday night, but I've never worked out which one it is. <laughs> because, you see, people just, you know, it's language, and what we think is so obvious in every day. To some people, it is a total mystery. So be very careful using language. Make it very accessible. Be prepared to release power. And whenever people say, hey, mate, would you just pray for me? Take the opportunity and say, yeah, I'd love to. Just can I have your hand? We'll do it right now. So we pray for an incredible spirit of evangelism to come on you. Father, I pray that you will upgrade the evangelists right here. I pray that there will be new souls born. You people come. 
I, I, I don't know anything about you, but I just feel God will say that you've come from quite a lot of brokenness and that you have a lot of labels on your life. We're a bit like old jam jars. And it's like, well, this is what I am. This is what people think I am. But God says, I'm taking all the labels off this jam jar because those names don't stick anymore. And I'm putting a new name because I made you new on the inside. Now be new totally on the outside. And that heart to see people out the mud and the trash and really shining for Jesus. And God is going to help you more and more and more. Where you fell off the edge and thought, well, I'm forgotten. God says, no, I take messes and make them messages. And actually, I'm going to pick you up and going to give you a whole new authority and ability to rescue people for Jesus. And he loves you. Amazing guy. Does that make sense to you? Bless you. So be prepared to release power. I do it all the time. If people say, do you mind just popping a prayer for me? I said, not at all. Just give me a hand. Let's pray now. You know, people will refuse maybe to come for church. I've never had anyone yet refuse me praying with them right now. Ever. People want to pray. And have an expectation of harvest. So number five. What? Celebrate the breakthrough. I really do believe it's coming to breakthrough season. I really, really do. I have an expectation. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own world. Suddenly people are getting saved. And when you're a prophetic person, often God says, what you see is what's going to come greater. So I'm certainly seeing it in my life. How many would say you think people are easier to talk to about Jesus now than they were 10 years ago? You see, something shifted in the spirit. There's something shifting. And I think we just need to keep praying and you'll find stuff shifting. I really do believe, too, that God wants to give you new hope for family members. That was the other thing. I believe there are stubborn family members that maybe dug their toes and said, no way. But I believe that God's got the shovel to loose their toes and they're going to get saved in Jesus' name. I really had that sense as I was, got up this morning and prayed that we're going to see harvest in families for the glory of God. Does that sound good? Why don't we stand and just pray for families? I wonder how many of you have got a family member that you want in the house of God? Just put your hands up if there's someone you want saved from your family. Wow, look, what a harvest field we've got right in our homes. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we're just asking that you would open up heaven and release family members. God, we want to pray for mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, people in our world that have just become hardened against you. And we're praying, precious Holy Spirit, (laughs) we ask you, soften, 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 soften that ground. We are praying for remarkable breakthroughs on family members. Remarkable breakthroughs. We thank you for it. And everyone said? Amen. How many could see it or just sense it? I just sense something. I really, really sense God wants to do something. Yay.
Well, just put your hand, one last prayer on your heart. We've all been worried of Ebola because it's a dangerous virus. For the Holy Spirit is a heavenly virus. <laughs> Contagious. And there's no antidote to it. <laughs> but I just had this thought that, you know, God just wants to make us infectious with the love of God. That everyone who comes into contact, this heavenly virus, the Holy Spirit, starts a ripple effect. So, Father, I just pray that you will just do something in us and through us, that there will be that ripple effect of God, that actually people come into contact, they say, what is it about you? What is the virus? What is it? I just feel different. There's something about you. And they pick up the atmosphere and the environment of who we are. We say, come Holy Spirit, increase it upon us. Let us be carriers of that infectious heavenly virus for the glory of God. And we prophesy in this place, souls will be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord There is freedom.